0: Doing another and God character tonight, Joshua. Joshua and God. We'll be looking in the book of Numbers and uh, Deuteronomy. Exodus is where we're going to start. His story stretches out a little bit. Uh, Exodus chapter 17 is where we'll be starting. Now, uh, we've chosen a lot of times what you might call minor characters. Uh, to do our And God series. People that you may not know as much about. Uh, Certainly I wouldn't call them minor people. It's just that the stories in the Bible aren't that long and drawn out. This is one though that has a lot of information in it. And there's some things that we uh, know just by thinking about the history of the text. Uh, Joshua was born in Egypt. He's born into slavery. He's born as a slave. And as a young man, very young man, uh, he saw what happened there. Moses came out of the nowhere, walked into Pharaoh, said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who's God that I should listen to him? And he found out who God was. Because ten plagues later... um, Egypt was in absolute ruins. Nothing left. Nothing left. All destroyed. And now he knew who God was after that. <laughs> and uh, he went to uh, the young Joshua, this young man, goes out into freedom on the first Passover up to the Red Sea. Looks like they're trapped. God opens the Red Sea. He walks across the Red Sea. And it's an amazing experience for a young man. Pretty exciting things. We know those things happened to him. But we take up the more exact part of his story. and Who he was and uh, what he would become. Exodus chapter 17. Now this is a young man who is born a slave. And has come into freedom. And you've got to put the name on the board. It means the most to him. Moses. Moses is the leader. And there's a real attachment to Moses. And we'll talk about that as we go on. Uh, But uh, uh, you would like Moses. Everybody, if you knew Moses, you'd really like him. He'd be one of your favorite people because it says that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. That is, there's nothing in him that's a big shot. There's nothing in him that says, "Now you'll be listening to me. Nothing like that in Moses. Uh, he's, he's so good to be with. And this young man is gonna be with Moses. And here we come, chapter 17 of Exodus, verse Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Now they are still wandering through the desert. And they are out in the middle of nowhere. And here comes a very fierce tribe called Amalek. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us out men, go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. Now Amalek is probably people on horses and so forth. Uh, not so with Joshua. He's on his feet fighting. All right. <coughs> so verse ten. Moses did. Joshua did as Moses said to him. Fought with Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Ur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. So uh, Moses is up looking down at the battlefield. And he holds his hand up, probably a stick in his hand, his rod that he used to cross the Red Sea. He's holding it up in his hand, and is winning. They're winning, winning the battle. And man, my arm hurts just a minute. Let me let it down. And as soon as he lets his arm down, Amalek starts pushing them back. Wait a minute, put my arm up. Oh, there's Joshua winning again. <laughs> and uh, if I'm Joshua... I'm watching that hill. <laughs> he got his arm up there. We're doing okay. Keep that arm up. Well, he can't keep it up. He's, he's tired. Verse 12, 12. Moses' hands were heavy. They so took a stone and put it under him, and he sat there. On Aaron and Earth. stayed up his hands, one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady till the going out of the sun. So uh, these two fellows with him hold his hands up in the air. And as long as you're holding them, I can do this. And they hold his hands up. And uh, 13, Joshua discomfit Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And so Joshua wins the battle as long as Moses holds his hands up. And so they beat this pretty fierce tribe. And Joshua, is the first time we heard of Joshua. The first time his name is mentioned is right here in this battle. Now, it's important what happens next. Verse 14. The Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So, God said unto Moses, Write down the story of what happened. It's not a hard story to write down. Joshua's fighting. Moses' hands are up. He's winning down. He's losing up. He's winning down. He's losing. They hold his hands up. So he says, we're going to rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Now, uh, we do rehearsing around here a lot. We're always rehearsing. The choir gets together and to rehearse. And right about now, when they've been singing things for about three, four months, I say, let's sing this one. Oh, here we go. Sing this again. I say, yep. Yep. We're going to sing this one again. And I tell them, everybody knows that rehearsal... It's boring after a while and you're going to sing the same old thing again and then we're going to keep rehearsing. We are not going to stop. We're going to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse because the goal of rehearsing and the reason you do it over and over and over and over again is that eventually uh, it becomes second nature. You don't have to uh, think every time, when I first hand them music, say, well, what do we do with this? Well, let's try this, let's do that, let's try this. We work it through. Lots of rehearsal making so they know what's going to happen. You don't have to be told over again. Eventually they absorb the whole thing. So, what we want. Good rehearsal means that when you get up there to sing, and this baby's crying over here, and grandma's walking down the aisle over there, and who knows what else is going to happen, you can focus and sing. Because you rehearsed it over and over and over again. Now, he says to Moses, I want you to tell that story to Joshua and rehearse it. And so Moses, hey Joshua, remember we were up on the hill? Yeah, yeah. Had my hands up? Yeah. What happened? Well, your hands up? I won. Okay, good. Just making sure. Supper time. Hey, Joshua. Remember the other day when you were fighting? Yeah, yeah. What happened? Well, I started to lose Well, you're going to tell him over and over and over and over again. Until what? There's an automatic response. God says, tell it to him. Make him hear that story over and over and over again. We're going to rehearse it in his ear until as soon as you say it. Remember? Yeah, I know. I know what happened. I know. You held your hands up and we won. I know. And how did my hands up help you win? Well, really, your hands were just up in the air. It really didn't have nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, I'm going to rehearse it in your ear. Tell you again and again and again. Now, it's a very specific reason. That Moses is going to rehearse it in his ear. He's going to go so he'll automatically know it. And we'll see why this is done as we go on a little farther. So remember, rehearse it in your ear, right? Yep. Got your hands up. Okay. And why did you win? Did my hands up? I've got to think about it. We'll think about that. We'll get back to this and see why God says, rehearse it in his ear. Now we're going over to Exodus 24. This is something that most people don't realize. <coughs> Exodus 24. Most people don't realize this. And I'll explain why in just a minute. Exodus 24. In verse number twelve, and the Lord said to Moses, "Come up to me into the mount, and be there. I will give thee tables of stone, and the law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them." And so uh, they come through over the Red Sea, have a little celebration, they fight a battle, and Joshua winds with Moses' hands. And then they come to Mount Sinai. Sticking up in the middle of this flat old nasty desert, there's a big huge mountain, Mount Sinai. Now you look up on there, and it says there's fire. Rolling fire on top of the mountain. Big black clouds of black smoke (laughs) are up there. And that mountain shakes. And God says to Moses, Come on up. (laughs) Come on up. And that's the time when Moses is going to go up the mountain and talk to God. And so Moses went up into the smoke, into the fire on the mountain. Here's what people don't realize. Verse 13. Moses rose up and his minister Joshua. And Moses went up into the mountain of God. He took Joshua with him. Well, Moses told people, you touch that mountain, don't you touch that mountain. You touch that mountain, you're going to die. So I'm going up there, because God's called me up there. But if you touch the mountain, you'll die. And he says to Joshua, come on, you're coming with me. And Joshua went up on the mountain. Now, here's the thing. We got chapter 24, 25, 26, 27. He's still on the mountain talking. 28, 29, 30, chapter 31. Then we get finally to chapter 32. All those chapters up there, he's up talking with God. God's telling him all kinds of stuff. And then, chapter 32, in verse number 15, And Moses turned and went down off the mountain. The two tables of the testimony were in his hand. Tables were written on both their sides, on one side and on the other side were they written. The tables were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God graven upon the table. So... God gave him two tablets of stone and God wrote on the tablets. And he writes on her Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not kill. And he gets the Ten Commandments written on there, laws for society and for humankind. They're written on those tablets. And he'd bring them down God wrote on them. Wow. Verse 17. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There's a noise of war in the camp. So he's up there with him. And they hear noise down the camp. Joshua says, I think it's war. Something's going on down there in 18. And he said, it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither the voice of them for cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that sing, I do hear. And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh to the camp, he saw the calf. He made a golden calf. And the dancing, Moses' anger waxed hot. He cast the tablets out of his hand, break them beneath the mouth. So, uh Joshua is up on the mountain with him. He says, I hear something down in the the camp. It sounds like maybe war. He says, oh, no, they're celebrating. They're having themselves a party down there. We're going to go down and stop it. So Joshua comes off the mountain with Moses, carrying these stones that God wrote on. Moses gets so mad when he sees them dancing around a golden calf. You just came across the Red Sea. You just saw ten plagues, Egypt in ruins, and you're dancing around a golden calf. And he gets so angry, he smashes those rocks down on the ground, and old Joshua must (sighs) go, All right? Now, here's the question. When you read... From chapter 24 to 32, you get the distinct impression that God is talking with Moses and only with Moses. But it says that Joshua went up there with him. So, what did Joshua do? I don't know what he did. I don't think when you read through it and think through exactly how the thing unfolds, I don't think that he was present when God and Moses had all these conversations. But he did go up into the fire and into the smoke on the mountain with Moses and Moses probably said I'm gonna go up on that rock and talk to God and Joseph, you know. And so he went up and he watched Moses maybe just off in the distance a little bit talking with God. And he sees stones and writing coming on the stones, the hand of God. I mean he's had quite that's something that only one person other than him saw, and it's Moses himself. So this young man who fought one battle has now become it says the minister or like a personal servant of Moses. And can you imagine when Moses came down, they said his face was shining. His face shone. And they couldn't really look at it. His face was all bright from being close to God. And so uh, uh, Joshua saw all that. And he saw the broken stone. And so then, from then on, he's Moses shadow. He's right there wherever Moses goes. He's right there following him. And can you imagine the esteem that he has for Moses? It's like, I mean, God is really something but Moses is pretty good too. And Moses, wow, this sure is great to be his servant his minister, his helper. Now over to chapter 33, they build the tabernacle, uh, which is a big tent there. It's a big tent in the wilderness. It's pretty complicated. And they build that tabernacle, and it's all set up there, and God's gonna come for the first time and come into the temple. His presence is going to come. And you know, I've told you many, many times that in the Holy of Holies, in the central most room in that tent was the Ark of the Covenant. And on the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence was known in the form of a light. And it was called Shekinah, or light. And so uh, in that small 15 by 15 room, the ark of the covenant and so god said i'm going to come down for the first time and go into this tent you built i'm gonna go down and uh, we're gonna talk so it's verse 9 chapter 33 of exodus came to pass as moses entered into the tabernacle the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the lord talked with moses And so God comes down, his presence in a form of light, and he's right there. And Moses is standing there in the doorway, and God is talking. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man and his tent door. And the Lord spake to Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. He returned again to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And so even Moses, i going to leave the tabernacle and go out to the people. And Joshua said, I'm staying here. <laughs> I'm not going out. This is too good. I'm standing right here with God and here's Joshua and God and the presence of God in the form of brilliant light. And Joshua said, I want to be here. It's where I want to be. So uh, there's a hunger in Joshua for the same experiences that Moses had. Moses had talked face to face. Didn't say Joshua did, right? That Moses did. But he sure seems to be hungry for it. All right, now let's go on to the book of Numbers. Exodus is a historical book, Leviticus is more a record of uh, the rules that God gave. Numbers chapter 11 is, picks up the history again. Numbers chapter 11. Moses is going through the wilderness, and he 's answering every question that everybody has he 's adjudicating every issue that comes up, and he 's working day and night, and day and night, never stop, never stop, never stop and finally, uh, God says, uh, "How you doing, Moses? I could use some help <laughs> verse twenty four numbers eleven Moses went out, and told the people the words of the Lord. He told God, I need help. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people, set them round about the tabernacle. So he gets 70 of the leaders, gathers them up at the tent. The Lord came in in a cloud, spake unto him, took the spirit that was on him, gave it to the 70 elders. And it came to pass, when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied and did not cease. So as soon as God transfers the spirit of moses onto 70 people well they're just talking about god prophesying preaching and praying probably too and they're talking about god all 70 of them are just full of words coming out of them and they're standing by the tabernacle preaching 26 but there remained two of the men in the camp Name of one was Eldad, name of the other Medad, and the Spirit rested upon them. And they were of them that were written, but went not unto the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. So two didn't come up to the tabernacle. They stayed back in the camp. All right. And they're preaching out where the people are. There ran a young man and told Moses and said, El Dad and me, Dad do prophesy in a camp. Tattletale, tattletale. And Joshua, son of Nun, servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My lord Moses, forbid them. You can't have two people out there just doing this. We've got to stop them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? He said, are you jealous that somebody besides me has some power? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put his spirit upon them. There you go. That's why Moses is such an inspiring leader. He said, I wish everybody would preach. I wish everybody was filled with the spirit. I want the spirit on anybody that can get it. So don't come to me and say, those guys aren't doing it like we do. We're all up here, but no, no, no. Some people, it's going to be different. And so the Spirit of the Lord can come on people, and they can do entirely different things. And that's a problem <laughs> with a lot of people. They say, well, if you got the Spirit of the Lord, you got to do this or this. And if you don't do that, you don't got the Spirit of the Lord. that ain't what Moses just said. All right, and there's people today doing the very same thing. If you got a spirit of the Lord, you got to speak with with an unknown tongue. Who said? Moses said, take it any way we get it. They're out there in the camp, two of these guys, you think they're renegades. They're not. They're not. It's the spirit of the Lord moving people in different ways. And so Moses will give an instruction, the spirit moves in different ways on different people. And that's how the Spirit of the Lord works. And if you you draw a line saying, no, oh God, I drew this line. you got to follow my line. He ain't going to. He ain't going to follow your line. He is not going to do that. Right? It's not how God works. And so, The Holy Spirit working in people. And Joshua just learned a good lesson when Moses said, No, Joshua. That's not right. It's not how this works. We allow God wants something that's different. All right. Would that everybody had the spirit. Now, let's let's go to Numbers thirteen. They're coming up to the land of Canaan. Moses is there, and they come up to the borders of the land of Canaan. And he says, we're going to send some spies in, check out what's called the promised land. and Nobody's seen it yet. All we know is where God said, go there. So... Here we are on the borders. Let's send in some spies. So they choose 12 men as spies. In verse number 8 of chapter 13. He's giving a list of the spies. In verse 8 it says. Of the tribe of Ephraim. Oshia. The son of Nun. And so we have. uh, Oshia. As the son of Nun. As the son of Nun. Right. None doesn't mean N-O-N-E. <laughs> Just his dad's name was none, and, uh, and it's called Oshia. That's Joshua. Oshia is Joshua. So say, why is he called Oshia here? Well, here's why. Uh, look down a little farther. Uh, verse uh, 16 these are the names of the men that Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Oshea, the son of Nun, Jehoshua or Joshua. So Moses changed his name. Moses changes his name from Oshia to Joshua. And he's going to be called Joshua. We know him as Joshua. His mom and dad named him Oshia, but he's now called Joshua. Why? Oshia means, uh, please God save us. That's what Oshia means. Now, remember where he's born, right? He's born in Egypt, as slave. His father's a slave in Egypt. So we're gonna, what are you going to name your boy? Please God save us. All right. Now, Moses said, ah, we got a better name for him. Uh, we're going to call him Joshua. God will save. See the difference? And his first name was, Help us. Are you listening to my prayer? Second an- is the answer to the prayer God will save. And so he's changed his name. Not from a plea asking for help, but a promise. Yeah, I'm helping you. I will help. So there's a difference in the name, the reason why he's called that. Now, the name Joshua has some different forms. And one of the names of Joshua, which means exactly the same thing, is J-E-S-U-S. Jesus is the same name as Joshua. Same thing. And so what is that? A little hint. Well, Joshua is the one who's going to save us through God's power from the Canaanites. As he goes into the land, he's going to conquer. He's going to be our Savior and save us. He's going to save us from the Canaanites and all the people that are going to struggle against us. Jesus saves us from the power of the hell. He's a much stronger Joshua than Joshua. Joshua's impressive, right? But he's a form. He's a type, we call it. That is, he's a reflection of something that's coming. He comes in and he conquers. Jesus, Joshua will come and and conquer the forces of darkness and lift us up. So uh, it's a little early view of the name, why his name was changed, and what he was trying to help him to understand. All right, now, let's go to uh, Numbers chapter 26. Numbers 26. In verse 65, way at the end. The Lord said of them, they shall surely die in the wilderness. There was not left a man of them save Caleb, the son of Jethanah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. So the whole generation that came out of Egypt and complained, and complained, and complained, and complained, and complained. I want you to know God hates complaining people. He can't stand it. Get that in your head, my friends. God does not like complainers. Be careful next time you open your mouth. God doesn't like it. And God said about these people who complained about water, about bread, about meat. They wanted garlic. They complained and complained. God said to Moses, eh, I've had it. Let's kill them all. And I'll make a new family out of you. And Moses pleaded with God. And it said, God changed his mind. Well, that's not really what happened, it was a test. Moses, how much do you love these people? They're nasty. They make me mad sometimes, God. Do you love them? Yeah, I, I, I don't want you to wipe them out. Okay. <laughs> it's a little check on Moses. But there's only two left of the whole generation. Caleb, who was the other spy who did well, and Joshua, the two spies who came back from the promised land and said, let's go. Man, this is beautiful. They got grapes so big that he got it on two men's shoulders, carrying it with a stick. One bunch of grapes takes two men and a stick to carry it. That's a pretty good grapevine, isn't it? Wow. And he said, this uh, land is fabulous. And, of course, they complained, there's giants in there. We can't go in. And Caleb said, come on, don't be a sissy. Let's go. But they cried and whined, you brought us here to kill us. Okay, so you're all dead. And that's how God dealt with the most complaining generation of all time. They all died in the wilderness and didn't get to the promised land. We sing a song in the choir. It's kind of a fun one once in a while. Uh... Some people can't stop grumbling. They grumble night and day. They grumble when the crops are good. They grumble when it's dry. They grumble at the preacher. They grumble at his prayers. Uh, And they say it doesn't matter. We can grumble all we want. And, And then this last verse is, holy folks don't grumble. They've only got time to pray. So, hmm. It's a real strong warning, and Joshua is almost the sole survivor. Only one other Caleb survives in that generation. So he's chosen because he believed God. Now, chapter 27. Here's what comes of that. (coughs) Moses spake to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation which may go out before them, which may go in before them, which may lead them out, which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. So he says, I'm getting to be an old man, and uh, we need new leader. Somebody that can say, let's go, guys, and they all go. And somebody says, this way, guys, and they'll come back. We need that kind of man. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him. And set him before Eleazar the priest, before the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be Obedient, And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. And at his word they shall go out, and at his words they shall come in, both he, all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. Moses said, we need a, a, a leader. He says, you got one. It's Joshua. God chose him. Moses said, just who do you want? God said, I want Joshua. Why? What did it say? He said because he has the spirit in him. He has the spirit in him. He's chosen because he has the spirit of God in him working and the priest will uh, ask counsel of Urim or that is on his uh, robes, fancy clothes that the priest wore. There was a couple of gems there. And when they were supposed to ask God for instructions, they put their hand on those two gems and say, God, I've got Urim here and Thummim and I'm asking for information and help. He say, well, that's a funny thing to do. I can't explain it. It's just God told him to do it that way. That's all I can say. And that might be very important. Hmm. He says, you, he'll ask for counsel if it's needed and... Uh, Joshua's the man. I want you to transfer your honor onto him. Transfer your honor onto him. And so he does. He calls him in front of everybody. Says he puts his hands on him. And asks God to do something special with Joshua. All right? And so he's chosen by God And he has this happen to him. Now we go to Deuteronomy. The end of the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 20, uh, 34. (coughs) God tells Moses, come on up on this mountain up here, and he goes up, and he goes to a place called Pisgah. Pisgah. We sing this song, right? That's how you know that name. Sweet hour of prayer, right? Uh, Till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take my flight. I love that song. And Moses goes up on the mountain and he says, take a look. What do you see? I can see the Mediterranean. Yeah, you're going to your people are going all the way there. What do you see up north? I can see plains and then I see mountains way in a different, yeah, you're going there. You're going all over this property. I want you to look at it. You're not going in. And so verse five, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he, that is God, buried him in the valley of the land of Moab or against Bethphia no man know of his sepulcher unto his day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. He was in perfect health. And God said, There's over for you. You're 120. Take a look at what the promised land is like, and then I'll bury you. Because we can't let you hang around because they'll worship your bones. So God buried him somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. And they never knew where he was buried. And what happens? Verse 9, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him, and children of Israel hearkened unto him, as did the Lord commanded Moses. And so now he has stepped up into Moses' place. He is stepping up, this young guy, who is fascinated with God and (laughs) absolutely tied to Moses. He was on the mountain with Moses. Pretty amazing. Now come to Joshua next page over. Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to see something here. (coughs) God's talking to Joshua. He tells Joshua, Moses is dead. Of course nobody knew that because right? he's out in the middle of nowhere, died all by himself, was buried by God. So he says, Moses is dead, it's up to you now to get up and lead these people. Verse five, there shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee or forsake thee. That's good to hear. Verse six, be strong and of a good courage. For this people shall thou divide uh, for an inheritance the land. So verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous. That thou may observe to do all according to the law. Which Moses my servant commanded thee. And now verse 9. Have not I commanded thee be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. What did he say? Be courageous. And he tells, Joshua, be courageous, courage, courage, have courage. I tell him again. What's he doing? He's rehearsing it in his ears. He's telling him, look, you got to have courage. Why? Why would he have to tell this guy who's full of the spirit and full of wisdom? All right. Why is he got to tell him to be courageous? Because his crutch is gone. Moses was everything to him. And he's gone. You're going to have to stand up and be strong. You could always be look and say, Moses, <laughs> what do you think? No, you can. Now you can't. Now you and me. He says, you and me. So you're going to have to be courageous. And you're going to have to be strong. And one more thing you're going to do, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous and then shalt thou have good success. Here's what your plan is, Joshua. You're gonna read the Bible every day. You're going to study it every day. You're going to think about it in the day. And when you lay down and wake up in the middle of the night, you're going to think about it. You think and think and think and meditate on the Bible. Now that's so far, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So you have five books. So I want you to think about them books every day, every night. When you wake up from your sleep, you think about those books. Remember, be creative, be courage, courage, have courage, courageous. Be strong. And then think about that book. That's what you're going to need to do. Now, rehearsing in Joshua's ear. Moses. Remember what it was? Okay, we're fighting the Amalekites and we're losing I look up at Moses' hands; they're dangling down, and up they go, and I'm winning. And down they go, and I'm losing. And Moses told me that a million times, over and over. So what's this got to do with winning? Why did you win? You won because you did exactly what I told you to do. You go fight. Moses is going to do exactly what he's instructed. He's going to hold his hands up. He can't do it anymore. Get him a helper. Hold them hands up. I don't care if it's hard and your muscles ache and you're saying, oh, my shoulder. (laughs) Get them arms up. I said when those arms up, you're going to win. See, so what does holding the arms up got to do with winning? Only this, that they did exactly what God said to do, and that's why they won. Now, he has rehearsed it in his mind until as soon as he say, Hey, you remember that? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. We did exactly what God said to do, held your arms up, and that's why we won. You got it. You finally got it. You rehearsed it. And now you have an automatic response, which is what? Do what I tell you to do and you'll win. Next step, Jericho. There's a walled city, big, huge, tall walls. And the children of Israel, a big crowd, over a million of them. And they come up towards Jericho all we gotta do is lock them gates and those people down there can't get in. Okay, God says here's what you're gonna do. Six days, you're gonna march around once and shut your mouth. Don't you talk. Seventh day, you march six times. Don't you talk. Seventh time. You go around, and when you get around the seventh time, shout. I mean, shout! So you got to be on the wall. I think the picture on the wall is fabulous. You're on the Jericho wall. Here they come. Get ready. Here they go. You go around. And they went back to the camp. What was that all about? I don't know. Tomorrow here they come. There they go. Then they go back. Third day. By the fourth day, so here they come. <laughs> they can't get in. They just wander around and they go back home. By now we know that we got them skunked. They're not gonna do anything. The sixth day, <laughs> here they come. They've come five days, no good at all. They're helpless against our huge wall. And the seventh day they come, and there's a big joke one time around, and then two times around, ooh, getting fancy today, three, four, five, six, seven times around, and they stop. Now, they've never heard their voice, Right? And all of a sudden, they hear a shout. Well, that's not the most immediate impression. The immediate impression is there's an earthquake. And the entire wall falls down except for one little section. How'd that happen? Rahab the harlot is in, living in that section. That piece didn't fall. But the entire rest of the wall goes down and, and Rubble all around. Well, I tell you what. You do what God said exactly to do. Right? That's what you're going to learn. Gonna, uh, hands up, right? Do what I say exactly what I say. And we win. Go around six times, seventh day. Go around seven times you say, what are we doing this for? Because God said to do it, says Joshua. So we're going to do it. That's what it took. That's what it took for him to do it. Now there's an experience that Joshua has just before that happens. Joshua chapter 5 Just before they begin the siege of Jericho Joshua he's the commander in chief He's out walking around Jericho, looking at them walls, thinking, hmm. (laughs) Wonder how this is gonna go. Verse 13 of chapter 5. Came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. So he meets somebody. They got a drawn sword. Joshua went up to him, Said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? You on our side or those people on that wall? Whose side are you on? And he said, Nay, I'm not on either side. But as captain of the Lord of hosts, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship him. And saith, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot place where thou will stand us holy. Now, Moses has the same experience at the burning bush. Right? Moses comes to the burning bush and he's peeking at the bush and God says, Moses, what? get your shoes up. Okay. Shoes, holy ground. Why? Because God is here. Now, not a burning bush this time. It's a man with a sword in his hand. He's got a sword in his hand. Who is it? Well, it's Joshua Jesus that's who it is. It's Jesus. The man with a drawn sword is jesus jesus pre-incarnate came to earth various times, and this is one of the times and he comes and he's got a drawn sword. and when you see Jesus, how many times do they see him with a drawn sword? well. Not any that I can think of until you get to Revelation. And you see him that way. Everybody else saw him. Didn't see him with a drawn sword. Why do you think Joshua saw him that way? Because the spirit of the Lord in Joshua is going to turn him into a warrior. A masterful warrior. And so he comes to him as a warrior. And Joshua said, you're on know, my side or their side? I'm not on either of your side. I love that answer. I don't join people's sides. I do what I do. If you're coming with me, you come with me. And I'm not on your side. Don't ever think I'm on your side. Don't ever think that. You think God is on your side. You gotta get on his side. All right. But you don't say, hey God, there's my side's over here. You wanna come? Don't say that. God says, I'm not on anybody's side. I'm the captain of the armies of the Lord of hosts. Man. And Joshua saw one soldier in that army when he was in Egypt kill the entire firstborn of the entire population of Egypt in one night. That was one angel. Came down and killed all the firstborn of every Egyptian, every Egyptian cattle, every Egyptian sheep, anything firstborn died with one angel in one night. And now this is the captain of that army. Man, that's some army. Don't mess with that army. The Antichrist is going to try. He's going to try to stop Christ. (laughs) You know how that goes, right? So, anyway, I got to keep going here. I get distracted here. Uh, Chapter 7. He just wiped out Jericho. Magnificent battle. Go in and entirely take the place. And some of the guys come back and say, It's just a little town down the road called Ai. And so it ain't worth taking a whole army. There's hardly anybody there like going to East Shelby, you know. Who's down there? Nobody's there. So go they to, go to AI. And he says, don't worry about the whole army. Just We'll get enough, and we'll go down there, and we'll beat AI. So they go down, and they get thoroughly whomped. People of AI come out and kill a bunch of them, drive them out, and this little town just beat the people who took Jericho two days ago. They just whipped them soundly. Defeat. I thought it was going to be victory. It was. When what? When you did exactly what God said to do. I come to AI. Eh, just go over there. There's nothing to it. So he gets thoroughly beaten. In chapter 7. Verse C. they returned to Joshua said, And let not all the people go up, but let two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for there are but a few. So they went up thither, some of the people, about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai smote them, about thirty-six men, chased them from before the gate, even to Sarim, smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. I can't believe we lost Joshua rent his clothes and fell on the earth with his face before the ark of the Lord until even tide. And he and the elders of Israel put dust on their heads. And they were down there, oh man, how did that happen? And Joshua said, alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us in the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we would be content and dwell on the other side of Jordan." Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before the enemies? He said, we're all going to be weak-hearted now. What did he tell them in chapter 1? Be courageous, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous. Now what? And the Lord, verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus on thy face? What a tremendous lesson. Sends chills up and down my spine. All right? He's been laying down on his face. They've been putting dust on themselves and mourning. We lost, we lost, we lost. I can't believe we lost. God said, Get out of the dirt and stand up. Come on. I told you, be courageous. Get up. Why? You've got a sinner in your camp. Somebody did exactly what I told them not to do in Jericho. I said, don't take one thing out of that town. And somebody's got hidden in their tent, fancy clothes and jewels and things. I want it fixed. I said, don't do that. And when you did what I didn't tell you to do, you've been whipped soundly. Get it fixed. And don't lay down there praying when it's time to get up and take action. Sometimes we're like that. It's time to get it right, fix what's wrong, and get things going. And we lay around, and say, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And God says, no, oh God, me get up. What are you laying in the dirt for? There's a little town over there. We're going to beat him. Get up and do what I said to do. So they find the guy with the goods hiding in his tent. They wipe him out. They go back to AI. And they beat him soundly. All right, now chapter 8, verse 34 He's got the Bible. Five books of the Bible. Remember what God said? Think about this day and night. Don't stop. Middle of the night, Joshua, you be thinking about it. So he pulls the Bible out, verse 34 of Joshua 8. And afterwards he read all the words of the law, the blessings, the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There is not a word of all that Moses commanded with Joshua read not before all the congregation of Israel with the women, the little ones, and the strangers that were conversant among them. He said, now we screwed up. We got beat at AI because we didn't do like we were taught, rehearsed in our head, do exactly what I tell you. We didn't do it, so we lost. So we got to fix it. We had defeat. And here is the correction. Let's read the Bible. <laughs> You're going to read the Bible to you all. That exciting book of Leviticus and all, they read the whole thing. Right from in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. All the way through. Are you ready now? Did you get it figured out? Do what I tell you to do. Do exactly what I tell you to do, and you'll be okay. One of the most exciting, chapter 10 of Joshua. one of his battles this is an extraordinary fella. joshua 10 verse 7 joshua ascended from gilgal he and the people of war with him all the mighty men of valor And the lord said to joshua fear them not i have delivered them into thy hand there shall not a man of them stand before thee joshua therefore came to them suddenly went up from gilgal all night does a surprise attack the Lord discomforted them before Israel, slew them with a great slaughter of Gibeon, chased them along the way that goeth to Beth-horon, and smote them to Azekah and unto Medica. And it came to pass as they fled from Israel, and they were going down to Beth-horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah, that they died. And they, which, they were more which died with hailstones, and they which the children of Israel slew with a sword. So we killed a lot of them, but uh, God said, I got this, guys. And he brought big old hailstones down and killed them. You know that's going to happen again. God's going to do that again. The book of Revelation says that they had hailstones come down to like 50, 60, 70 pounds on the armies of Antichrist. And smashed that army to pieces God doesn't really need help. He took care of it. But he likes to have us working alongside him. Verse 12. And spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered the Amorites for the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel. He stands up in front of all the people. Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon. And thou moon in the valley of Agilon. (laughs) Man. He's cool. His son's right there going down and the moon's coming up. He said, don't you move. Stay there, we're not done fighting. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. So 24 hours later, Finally, the sun is going to go down. There was no day like it before it or after it. The Lord hearkened unto the voice of the man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And that Joshua's okay. He got it, doesn't he? He got it. He figured it out. If I can get God's help, and God started smashing those people with hailstones. He said, this is what God wants. He said, we're going to win, so I need a little more daylight. Stop. Mm-hmm. There are people who go to computers and figure this stuff out. I don't know if I believe them, but they try to figure out how many hours have been, you know, and they say there's 24 hours extra somewhere that we can't account for. We can, it's right there. Joshua just did it. Now, he fights. If you just go on battle after battle after battle. He wins battle after battle after battle. And he come to the end of his life, Joshua twenty-four, as we finish up. Joshua twenty-four. He gets the people together. He's an old man. I'm going to talk to you one more time. <laughs> Joshua twenty four verse thirteen, I've given you a land for which you did not labor, cities which you built not, you dwell in them. Out of vineyards and oliveyards which you planted not, do ye eat? Said so we possessed the land. We got houses. We got crops. Everything was there. We took it. God gave it to us. Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of flood in Egypt. Serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. If you don't want to serve God, who do you want to serve? Whether the gods of your fathers that serve are on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There it is. There it is. that plaque is on my father's house been on my father's house as long as I can remember when I was a little boy it was hanging in my father's house still is up there we leave it there because we agree as for me and my house we will serve the Lord that's the choice we will serve the Lord me and my house And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord is our God. And he just brought our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did great signs in our sight, preserved us in the way which we went among all the people whom we passed through. He said, oh, we won't do it. Verse 19, and Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions. Or he said, wait a minute. What did he just say? He said, you can't serve the Lord. He's not going to forgive you. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt, consume you. After that, he has done good to you. Does said, look, you can't. Serve two masters. Exactly what Jesus would come along later, Joshua Jesus, and say the same thing. No man can serve two masters. He's got to love one and hate the other. And he says, "You guys got them little idols stuck in your tent. And you got a little amulet in your hand that you found in some Canaanite uh, city. You're carrying that stuff around. Don't tell me that you're serving the Lord." You have a divided heart. You cannot. You cannot. As for me and my house, he says, we will serve the Lord. God will be exclusive. God will be the only God. He will not allow us to have two. So if you're gonna divide your heart between something and God, and you say, Well, I get a little God on Sunday, a little of this and all. You know. Joshua said, he won't forgive you if that's what you're going to do. You cannot have two masters. Get it right. Rehearse it in your ears, Joshua. What? Do exactly what God says, and you'll be okay. And when you go off and try your own self, don't whine on the ground crying. Get up. God said, get out of the dirt. Stand up like a man. So that's Joshua. He, God met him with a sword in his hand. He intended him to be a valiant warrior. And by gosh he was. He wasn't like anybody that you ever saw before. Nobody was ever quite like Joshua. Filled with the Spirit. Doing what God wanted him to do. Like Moses said, hey, if you're filled with the Spirit, don't worry if it's a little different. We can take that. God can handle it. That's a pretty exciting story about Joshua. Joshua. <laughs> We'll have one more before we finish our series. Thank you.